going through pain was really hard, but it made me a better person. Can you tell Barbie Engel is a cheerleader for hope? Even after an accident left her in chronic pain. Stay tuned for her story and hear what she's doing to help others. I'm Yvette Walker, the host of the Positively Joy podcast, where we discover that joy is not a feeling, it's faith. You can find previous episodes at PositivelyJoy.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. However you found yourself here, you are welcome, and I believe it was truly God-destined. We are in Season 3, and this season has taken the podcast into the vantage point of what joy is. I'd like you to listen to each episode this season through the lens of how Jesus Christ defines joy. John chapter 15 verse 11 reveals this when Jesus tells us to keep the Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Enjoy, and I pray you receive the message the Father has for you. Barbie Engel is the president for her organization, the International Pain Foundation. Barbie credits God for a new life post-accident that was better than before. Her encouragement to others suffering from chronic pain is true to her unofficial title, the cheerleader for hope. Here's Barbie. Barbie, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hi, I'm so excited to be here and excited to share my positivity and my joy with all of your listeners. Excellent. Well, so we just talked about the origins of your name, and it's interesting. Uh, Barbie, when you think of the word Barbie, you think of the doll. Of course, Barbie the doll is spelled with an I-E, and you're spelled with a Y. But that's not the most interesting part about your name, because you have a sister with an interesting name, and then there's an interesting story that comes from that. Absolutely. My sister is Marby, and we are Marby and Barbie. We were raised as twins, although we look nothing alike. We are, I say, we're totally alike and totally different at the same time. Uh, She was born in Bangkok, Thailand, and um, my parents were there due to the military. And the doctors told my mom she could not have any more children after she had my older brother. And he said, Mom, I want a sister. I really want a sister. So they went down to an orphanage. And they let my brother mingle with all the kids. And at the end of the the time, he said, this is going to be my sister. And my parents named her Marby. And then I was born just um, a year and two weeks later. And so they named me Barbie. And even though we don't look anything alike, they kind of raised us as twins since we were so close in age. So we were Marby and Barbie. And we grew up all the way to, to date, but, you know, went to college together and everything. And people would say, you know, I think in second grade, someone said, you can't be sisters. You're black and you're white. And it was like, no, we're sisters. But we went home crying and my parents had to explain what that meant, a, a skin color meant. And, and um, so that was an interesting conversation. But we literally did not know we didn't look alike until second grade. <laughs> Wow. That, I mean, it's a great story. And I know that's not really your message, but I just wanted, no. to, lead with, wanted to lead with that just because it's, you know, it's, it's such a good example of uh, loving beyond all kind of boundaries, you know, Absolutely. and you did not see any difference in your sister. You just saw love. You saw that she loved you and you loved her. Yeah. My parents had said, you know, there's different colored people around the world. 
And when they said that in our minds, we imagined, you know, in math class in elementary school, there's like uh, blue triangles and purple squares and orange rectangles. I imagine that is what they meant. Like there was different shapes of people around the world. I didn't realize that they meant our skin color didn't mean the same thing. I, we were taught that we're human. What are you? You're human. And you were made by God. And, and God had a very special plan for you. And that's what we were taught all our life. And then in, uh, at second grade on the playground to be pointed out that we weren't supposedly sisters because of our skin color was different was the weirdest thing that we'd ever heard. Wow. That's just, you know, and children are so beautiful like that. Because in, in second grade, you were probably about seven or something. And that's just, you yes. know, they, they just don't even, they don't even think like adults do. And that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. And to be honest, I, mean, I think that's why Jesus loved being around children. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. The innocence of it all. And Absolutely. I'm sure that he probably heard some conversation from his parents that he took a piece from, but the way our parents raised us was totally different. And that we were supposed to love all human beings, love your neighbor as yourself and, and, um, you know, it, it really was something that we grew up with and that was different than other families and other households. So I was lucky in that way. Absolutely. Well, I've totally digressed from your message, but I had yes. to, I had to get into that because I love that story so much. So Barbie, thanks again for being here. You're president of the International Pain Foundation. And what I really like about your message is hope and that you're a cheerleader for hope. And so... <laughs> I want to get into that. Uh, and so you've already told us a little bit about yourself and about your 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 upbringing. Um, but tell us a little bit more. And um, how did you basically kind of find your way to basically being a cheerleader for hope? Well, it all started in an eight-second car accident. And that eight seconds changed my life. I had my whole life. I knew who Jesus was. I accepted Jesus. I prayed. I went to church. I did all the things that I was supposed to do, or I thought I was doing the things I was supposed to do. And I actually was taking life for granted. And God was dropping little messages and they were getting bigger and bigger along the way. And uh, one day he just put a boulder in front of me and said, you didn't pay attention before, but you're on the wrong path stop, refocus, reevaluate, figure out who you are and, and where you're supposed to be going. And I was supposed to be shining his light and living for Jesus. And I, I wasn't doing that. Although I was doing what I thought a good Christian would do, I wasn't living life to the fullest to honor God and to take forth the purpose of being here on earth, which for me was being a cheerleader. I told my dad when I was four, my, both my parents, I'm going to be a cheerleader the rest of my life. And my dad said, no, you're not. And then again, you know, I'm 12 years old. I'm going to be a cheerleader the rest of my life. You got to have something else to fall back on, Barbie. You can't just be a cheerleader. And um, I was living my life. I was taking life for granted. And I had this boulder dropped in front of me and everything in my life changed in eight seconds. Wow. And so I want to do something a little strange here because okay. I just, I want our listeners to understand uh, the that real time, eight seconds and how that changed your whole life. So um, we're going to count down eight seconds. I've got my, I've got my uh, stopwatch here. So we're going to do it right now. You gave me goosebumps. <laughs> Okay. 
That's it. Yeah. That, that was eight, it. that was eight seconds. Wow. Yep. So tell so tell me what happened in those eight seconds. Well, in those eight seconds, I was sitting in a parking lot waiting for a parking spot to open. That car started backing up. So I was like, all right, here, I'm getting ready to park, go into work. And in my rearview mirror, I saw a van coming at my car and it wasn't stopping. And so I turned, I, I sit very close to the steering wheel. So I kind of like jammed my, my uh, left arm into the steering wheel on the horn and grabbed the seat with my right arm and turn around and face backwards to, I thought, watch this van stop, but they never took their foot off the gas until after they hit me. And um, I was found walking around in the building that I work in crying and uh, a woman stopped and she said, can I help? Like something's wrong. She knew me and um, she's like, you know, what's, what's wrong? What, what's happening? And I said, I can't find the gym and I have to get to practice. I was the head coach at Washington State University for cheerleading and dance. And I was living my dream. And I don't remember this. I remember looking out the back, waiting for them to stop and they never stopped. And, um, I didn't, I didn't remember anything for a while after that. And, um, but, but, but let's just talk about that for a minute. Yeah. You walk, I mean, you walked away from that. I did. And did you have a lot of injuries? Unknowingly? Yes. <laughs> I, I went to the hospital. They, they called my husband at the time. They called him and said, something's wrong with your wife. You need to come and get her and take her to the hospital. And he came and picked me up and took me to the hospital. And they told me I had whiplash and I would be better in three or four days. And um, really that eight seconds really showed me, <laughs> um, one, I had a new pain in my life. It was a burning fire pain that I never experienced before with all of the uh, athletic injuries that I had had. I never had this type of pain before. And four days turned into... Uh, that was 2002. Here we are in 2021. So it's been 20 years and um, nothing was ever the same after that. I lost my husband. I lost my job. I had a, a cheer and dance training company that I also ran, lost that, lost the ability to drive. I went from flying around in private jets to um, in limousine rides to food stamps, not knowing where I was going to live, what I was going to do, where I was going to go and or who I was. And I had to totally rebuild my life from those eight seconds. Mm -hmm. And all that loss happens because you were unable to continue to do those things. Physically unable. I didn't have whiplash, which is what they thought. I actually had a rare neurological condition that that eight seconds that the impact from that accident triggered and my body started attacking itself. And mm -hmm. so I went from, from being, um, working out six to seven days a week, being very active physically, mentally to, uh, basically losing everything physical, losing my financial means, losing, um, my husband who was not spiritual, uh, at the time I thought I had enough God for us both. I did not. Mm. <laughs> he had, he actually found God after we were divorced and um, invited me to, to his confirmation and, and getting up in front of the church and saying, I'm a believer and getting baptized. So, um, wow. yeah. And, and, but that, 
period that year, pretty much everything fell apart. The doctors could not figure out what was wrong with me because it was a rare disease and they were relating it back to the car accident and thinking that it was just this whiplash and the whiplash wasn't getting better. And, um, I knew I had to change something. I said to the, to the team doctors, I said, I can go anywhere in the world where if you could do that and you were me, where would you go? And they said, we would go to Arizona. And so I picked up my life and I moved to Arizona and um, God had a whole new plan for me. And in that time of transition, uh, I would talk to my dad a lot and, and he was very spiritual and I had a lot of stress and anxiety because everything around me was gone. All my friends disappeared. Um, you know, the only people that really stuck around in that moment was my family. And they knew that I had a life that I had s- strived for, that I had worked hard for. And I grew up with a learning disability and it was told by my elementary principal I would never graduate high school. I graduated college in four years. So I was accomplishing life in the things that I thought were what life was about. And my dad brought up a a Bible quote and said, you know, Barbie, you're supposed to give your anxiety to to Jesus and let him do the worrying. You will have clothes, shelter, and food. You will be taken care of. You might not know how, but you will always be taken care of. And Jesus will not leave you alone. And that was absolutely right. And uh, when I let go and, and let God take care of the anxiety and the stress and the worry, he took care of me and I still had a battle. It took three years to get a proper diagnosis and another four years to get the right treatment that put me into remission. And now I go in and out of remission, but I at least have some form of treatment because most rare diseases, there's over 7,000 rare diseases and only about 5% have a treatment. So I'm lucky in that way. Uh, But I did have to lose everything and, um, see that I wasn't living life to the fullest. I wasn't fulfilling my mission as a cheerleader. God wanted me to be a cheerleader, but God wanted me to be a cheerleader of hope and to be a mental cheerleader versus a physical cheerleader trying to get out there and do backflips at 30, 40 years old. He, he, he's like, no, that's not the kind of cheerleading you need to be doing. And um, one of the experiences that I had during uh, this transition was um, a doctor told me I would die if I didn't have my rib taken out. And I rushed into surgery because I didn't want to die. I wanted to keep living, even though I didn't know what the purpose was. And I had lost my purpose. I knew that I wanted to keep going, that that there was a purpose. I just needed to find it because obviously being a cheerleader wasn't it, or that's what I was thinking. And um, in church, my father took me to, to church and um, I had just been released to the ho- from the hospital after having my rib removed. And he said, you know what? It's time to get back into church. So we, he took me to church and something funny happened. And um, the, the preacher uh, said something, a kid said something on the microphone and everybody started laughing, including me. It's not typical to laugh in church, right? But, but that day we laughed in church and immediately my lung collapsed and my lung laid on my heart and I went into a cardiac arrest. They called the ambulance. There happened to be a nurse at church that recognized, because I couldn't speak, 
She recognized what was happening and immediately got an oxygen tank out of storage or something and put me on oxygen, called 911 and um, went inside and got uh, my father. And, um, and in that, in that time, um, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I saw my life flash before me. It was a thousand pictures of experiences in my life. There was a thousand words with every picture and it all came instantly. And what I learned from that moment, which was, which was another (laughs) one of those moments in life that the only thing that matters in life is human connection. And we're here on earth to connect with people. The person you smile at or hold the door for or pay for their Starbucks in line and they weren't expecting it or tell them they have a nice smile or they, they look nice today. Those are the things that matter in life. Those human connections are where we're supposed to be going and what we're supposed to do here on earth. Make connections. And, you know, every person that comes into your life is there for a reason, uh, whether it's to learn a lesson or to uh, be connected to long term or short term. But there's a reason for that connection. And when you do pass away, it will all be revealed. So if there's something here on earth that you don't understand or connection that you think is a, a passing connection that you really wanted in your life and you don't understand why it's not there anymore or it's not working out. There's a reason why it's not, and you will, it will, if it's not revealed in this life, it will be revealed when you make your way to heaven. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Here's a special shout out to a new Patreon supporter. I know she doesn't want me to say her name, so I'll just give her initials SP, but she has always been a big supporter certainly emotionally, now financially of the show. And so I just want to thank her so much. And if you want to know more about supporting the show through Patreon, just go to my website, PositivelyJoy.com and click on support. And you can learn about how to give in various different levels and get some free merch. Thank you, SP. Now, Obviously, you survived that, but that flash, those life experiences. So after that, when you got healthy again, mm-hmm. what did you think you were supposed to do with that? In that flash, that's when I realized that I am supposed to be a mental cheerleader and that I thought I had enough God for me and my husband and the rest of the world. And um, that wasn't the, the truth. That wasn't the light that I was supposed to be carrying. And um, that that taught me where to go, how to listen to Jesus, to know that he is with me and, and he is giving me signs. And the more I don't listen to his signs, the bigger the signs will get. <laughs> and uh, the bigger the life lessons will get. And that life isn't easy no, you know, people are like, that's not fair. I'm like, well, you know what I learned? Life isn't fair. Life is sometimes a hard lesson, but that's the way that we're supposed to be learning that lesson. Take what you can from it and let go of the stress. When you let go of the stress and you can find the positivity in the situation, in, in, the, in the love, the light, and the joy, the blessings that are there, even in the worst of times, it will get you through that hope will get you through. And to me, all of those things equal hope. Hope is light and love. And even the tiniest spark 
is enough to ignite a flame, a forest fire, the, the biggest fire that you need to get you through. That tiny spark is, is enough. I love that because I truly believe that God has a lesson for us and he wants us to learn how to walk in our joy. And that joy does not mean happiness all the time. Uh, it mean, it, it, I have a saying where I said, joy is not a feeling, it's faith. And that is what we have to learn. And sometimes those life life lessons are hard. Hard, you know, some are some are harder than others. And you know, certainly that was a difficult lesson for you. Absolutely. I mean, I went down to like wheelchair, bedbound, not walking. I actually found my husband who, you know, when I say God gives you signs, I think God gave me the biggest sign. So I after my marriage fell apart, I got divorced, I went through counseling. And, um, I was in Arizona and I was, um, I was, uh, going by the gym and I saw this man, just a random dude <laughs> and something just told me to connect to him. And, um, and this was before I actually had my life flash before me. And he said, I said, hi, I'm Barbie. And he said, hi, I'm Ken. And he actually, at that time, was going by Kenny or Kenneth. And, um, but when I said Barbie, he was like, oh, I'm Ken. And I was like, if that's not a sign from God, it's the, <laughs> it's <laughs> like the biggest sign. And I said, well, you know what? Um, if you need to make some extra money, I need some help driving to doctor appointments and physical therapy. I'll pay you to drive me. And he was like, sure, I work from home. I could help you out. I'm like, all right. So I meet this person. and. Over time, he's driving me to doctors. We're going through this rare disease. We don't know what it is. But on those appointment drives back and forth, we're talking to each other and learning about each other. And believe me, love was the furthest thing from my mind. <laughs> I, I was like, all right, I, my, male, my marriage failed. And I'm not even trying to go there anymore. And uh, through that and through the experience and, and um, more boulders in my path to come, we found each other and fell in love. And despite the fact that, that I had some disabilities and things that I wasn't able to, to fully do, he still saw the good in me when I couldn't see the good in myself. And on top of all that, he was a Christian. And it was like, okay, if, if I ever was to fall in love with someone again, that would have to be requirement number one, because mm-hmm. it goes God, family, friends, the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so I wanted someone who had that same pattern and uh, belief and put it first in their life. And uh, he was exactly that person. And God said, here's your sign by giving me my kin. <laughs> I love that. That's such a lovely story. Um, yes, the, Barbie needed to be with her kin. Uh, right. I have neighbors down the street who are Fred and Ginger. And I said, you guys had to be together. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the sign. You know, when, when you have a name that's that's given to you at birth and you don't always know, like, like why my mom? I knew my mom named me Barbie because she named my sister Marby. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't really understand. But then when I found Ken, it was like, okay, God, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you Perfect. Yeah. So perfect. So, so, so you were, uh, you were the, uh, the president of the, of the, of, I'm sorry, give me the name of your uh, international pain foundation, the international pain foundation. Thank you. 
And so tell me about how you got there, because obviously uh, you're living, you're living that you're living, you know, that pain and, and, and learning about it and understanding it. Um, so tell me how you got there. Okay. So every year growing up, our family would do a, a project, a charity project or some civil project where we would go and um, sing Christmas carols at people's random people's houses or um, serve food at a, at a food bank. Every year we would pick something different and um, maybe go to nursing homes and talk to elderly who don't have a lot of family around, things like that. And in 2006, uh, my family was sitting there Thanksgiving and decided, you know, what talking about what we should do for this year's project. And uh, my brother and my dad kind of together came up with, you know, it really took a lot for Barbie to get a proper diagnosis. And, you know, what she went through, there has to be other people going through other challenges in healthcare, especially if they're living with a rare disease like RSD, reflex sympathetic dystrophy. And let's do something for them. And then my dad said, well, we have to do it right. If we're going to do this, we're going to start a 501c3 nonprofit and we're going to do it right. And so that's how we got started. It was our project for 2006 uh, to end the year with. And um, it's been the project, family project ever since. Although now our name is International Pain Foundation. Back then, I actually um, came up with the name Power of Pain Foundation. And that's how we started. And that was because going through pain was really hard, but it made me a better person. It made me closer to God. And it made me stop, reevaluate my life, learn patience, communication, time management, things that I had been, skills I'd been given in life, but I never used as tools to help me live more life. And so we were the Power of Pain Foundation for a long time, until 2015. And then we had just grown so big and we were working in 14 different countries and have projects and, and resources and outreach all over the world that we thought International Pain Foundation would, would be a better name. So we uh, did a DBA and changed it to International Pain Foundation so that we could start the conversation a little further than how did you come up with Power of Pain? And get into here's some resources and some hope and help that can help the people that we're reaching out to a little bit faster. And so that's how we grew into International Pain Foundation. Let's go back to pain made me a better person. Okay. I, I think pain is one of those things that uh, you feel like you are <laughs> help helpless, out yes. of control. I mean, you can you know you can take pain pain meds for it, but there's really nothing you can do. Right. Um, talk about that and talk about it, how you relied on God in that moment. Or those. Well, yeah. Prior to getting reflex sympathetic dystrophy, I, like I said, I took life for granted. I was living life. I was going to church. I was letting my ex-husband make fun of me for believing in Jesus. And, um, you know, like, oh, it's raining. God must be crying type of statements. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and, and I wouldn't speak up for myself. I wouldn't take control. I, I was trying to let God drive a parked car. Well, how do you drive a parked car? It's just sitting there. It, that's not going to do anything. I had to be a that's human. Awesome. Doer. I had to be a doer and in the right 
areas of life. And that's because I was sick, because I was bed bound and wheelchair bound, I had to find new ways to do it. I had to stop and listen. I had to become patient, not just a patient in the healthcare system, but a patient person because it was taking me longer to accomplish the things that I wanted to accomplish and do the things that I wanted to do. But I knew in myself, I knew that God would provide and that I would find a way. I just had to find the way. And if I always would go move forward, always moving forward and towards the light, I would do right. And that's just kind of what I figured out in that moment of what do I do? Where do I go? And how do I keep moving forward? Or do I want to keep moving forward? I've, I've lost many friends to suicide because the pain is so bad. And I've had days where I thought I was going to die. Not that I wanted to die. I thought I was going to die because the pain was so bad that I thought my heart would stop, that it couldn't take anymore. And in, in those moments, many people run from God. For me, it was my solace to stop and meditate and pray and move closer to God. And um, that really is, is what got me through. And if I couldn't do it on my own, I could pick up the phone and call my dad or call a sibling and say, Hey, can we pray together? Hey, you know, can, you know, when two people pray together, God will do great things (laughs) or sing together. Like let's do something together. And this was how I got through was when I couldn't handle it. When I was by myself with Jesus, I could bring other people into that situation so that I knew that I wasn't alone. Or if something did happen to me and I was on my way to heaven, that that somebody on earth would know (laughs) and that they could make everything okay with the people that I would leave here behind. And um, that really helped me get through. Wow. I think, I think everybody knows someone that is suffering some kind of chronic pain or some kind of pain that it's not easy to get rid of. Uh, If, if a person in pain is listening right now and feels hopeless, what would you say to them? There is great reason for hope. And one of the exercises that I learned in counseling was called the I am. And funny enough, when God refers to himself in the Bible, he always calls himself the I am. That's like the only name that he gives himself. And, um, and it, it kind of correlated to me in the, the, the therapist told me to go home and have a, a homework assignment. And he said, write down all the things that you are. And I went home and I was like, I lost my life. I lost my husband. I lost my job. I lost my company. I lost so much in life. I am nobody. I suck. I have nothing. And about halfway through the week, he called and said, how's the project going? You know, do you have your list ready? You're going to see me in a few days. And I said, I I haven't written down one thing because I am nothing. And he said, well, you are something. He said, let's start with, with you believe in God. You're a Christian. So you are, I said, I am spiritual. And that was the first thing on my list. I am spiritual. And that got me to come up with a list in the next few days of 75 things that I am. I am worthy. I am loved. I can love all of the things that started flowing through me that showed me what and who I am and that it wasn't tied to this 
earthly being that I that I thought I was. It showed me that I am part of the light. I am someone who can move forward. I am someone who is strong. I am someone who is cheerful. I am someone who is positive. And through that, now I have a list of over 150 I am's. And I go through that list. If I'm having a bad day and I and I'm having some trouble after I'm done praying, I'll go through my I am's and remind myself that I am able to do this. I have succeeded every day since the day I got sick in living and making it through another day and reaching out and doing the best I can do and living the best that I can in any moment. And that's one thing for me, time change. You know, here on earth, we have like 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I don't have that. I have moments. I live life moment to moment. I learn to just say, I don't accept the guilt that society puts on me. I don't accept the stigma. I will just take it off my chest and drop it back off wherever it needs to go because it's not in me. It's not on my list of I am's. And through God, I am all the things that I am supposed to be here on earth. And I strive every day to live that life. Mm, Amen. Such a beautiful testimony and just one filled with hope. And I'm so, I'm happy that you were able to, because if there's not someone listening right now with pain, there is someone who knows someone and to either deliver that message to that person or to, for their friend to, um, I thank you for that. Um, You're not, you're not, you're on earth until you fulfilled your purpose. And some people know what their purpose is. I knew since I can remember, I was a cheerleader. I just didn't know how. That's what we're here on earth to discover. How do we fulfill our purpose? How do we find our purpose? How do we fulfill it? Keep going. You're still here for a reason. Don't give up. Beautiful. Tell us how we can find you online, your website and your social media, and how we can find some of those resources. Well, my name, Barbie Ingle. So on on Facebook, Twitter, um, you can find me, Barbie Ingle, LinkedIn, Barbie Ingle. Um, My website is Barbie Ingle. And in International Pain Foundation, you can find us on all the platforms as well as going to internationalpain.org. And um, on the internationalpain.org website, at the bottom of every page is a is a contact us form, and you can just fill that out, and it will get routed to me if you want to send me a message or ask a question or you need help finding resources or tools to help you live a better life on, on a daily basis. Barbie, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I've learned a lot, and your experiences, like you said, it's it's like there was always a great assignment for you. There was always a mission for you. But once, as you call it, he put that boulder down in front of you and it was a big boulder. Yes. It just started taking off. And the fact that you are the president of the International Pain Foundation now is just, you know, such a testament to his will for you. And also, you know, you agreeing, you're coming into agreement with him. Say, yes, Lord, this is, yeah, this is what you're having me do. This is what I was always meant to do. So, yeah, wow, that was really, really a strong testimony. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. I'm excited to share it. And uh, I hope that your listeners know that they have a purpose, they have a mission, and that they too can live a better life. They just have to choose it. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Barbie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy today. Go to PositivelyJoy.com for inspiration, encouragement, and past episodes. Follow the podcast and review and subscribe wherever you go for podcasts. Don't forget to check out our cool merchandise with our new logo. And also on the website, go to the talk tab and leave us a message on what you love about Positively Joy and what you'd like to hear in the future. Again, thanks so much for being with us. Bye for now.